With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome Oklahoma City Thunder beat reporter for the Daily Thunder and the writer for the franchise, Brandon Rabar. Brandon covers the Thunder daily and explains how OKC has been exceeding expectations within the league this season. We also talk about the rise of Shea Gilchrist Alexander, the Thunder having the youngest team in the league, the relationship between Sam Presti and the media, and a bunch more. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. That's hoopsologypod at gmail.com. That's hoopsology with an S. So make sure you email all your questions to that email address. Follow us on all your social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're a proud member of Underdog Podcast. He's the Oklahoma City Thunder beat writer for the Daily Thunder, and he also writes for the franchise. We have the pleasure in welcoming Brandon Rabar onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Brandon? Good, man. You said my name right. You nailed it. Nice. That, I have to tell you a little bit of a secret. That's like the most nerve-wracking part of these interviews. I like practice that over and over. Make sure I don't screw that up. So yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to get the, the sign off on that. Much appreciated. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining the, the podcast. Really appreciate it. And I think it's, it's an appropriate time to have the Thunder this on our podcast because we like to have everybody, all beat writers from all over the league. And I think the Thunder are quite relevant, re- relevant at this time. And I saw a tweet recently that you posted, and I thought it was really, really interesting. You posted a screenshot of the recent standings um, with the Thunder currently sitting at ninth, um, about a game out of the sixth spot um, with 2.5 years into the rebuild. So I just want to ask you, are you surprised just about how much progress the Thunder are making? Like, what are your thoughts on, like, where the Thunder um, lie this season so far? Yeah, I'm surprised without Chet Holmgren that the Thunder are doing as well as they are. Now, I've been pretty high on the talent with Shake Gilgis-Alexander. I've felt like he was an all-star for a couple years now. Uh, so what he's doing isn't particularly surprising me. Now, how much he's ascended uh, may be kind of a surprise to everybody uh, besides Shea, probably. Um, Josh Giddy has taken a sophomore leap. Jalen Williams, the rookie uh, out of Santa Clara, has been so good. Just kind of like one through 15, the Thunder keep exceeding expectations. And so while I thought that the Thunder were going to be better than than many were predicting, and and I thought that they were going to be a competitive team, uh, not even I, most people probably would have thought that my preseason predictions were optimistic, but not even I had them like at this point of the season, you know, a game out of a guaranteed playoff spot. So right now, I think the whole NBA is experiencing a lot of parody right now, and that's we're seeing all sorts of reactions from from coaches to fan bases. Where do you see the Thunder? You know, what are their expectations now that they are pretty established? I think you know, as a team to take seriously every single night. Are are you expecting them to be a lock to just get one of those? You know. I think, what is it, six or seven playoff spots that are automatic locks? Or do you think the more expectation should be just like the play-in tournament, you know, when that comes around? Yeah, I do think that expectations have been altered since the beginning of the season, for sure. I think that when the season started, most analysts, probably most 
fans, even, even, you know, the optimistic fans were probably thinking, okay, one more year, get a top five pick, you know, maybe you get lucky and get Victor Wimbanyana or Scoot Henderson. And then, you know, you got SGA and Wimbanyana and Chet Hunger and Josh Giddy. Uh, then you're really big cooking. But now that we're over halfway through the season and the Thunder have actually played the tougher part of their season schedule, like if you look at the, the rain, remaining schedule strength, it gets a little bit wonky because teams have rested players, injured players. Some guys have come in, uh, teams have guys coming back, but the Thunder actually have on paper the easiest remaining schedule. So when you look at how well they've played over the past two months, you look at how well SGA is playing, and then you look at the schedule and you look at the standings. I mean, at this point, I think expectations are the play in. I would, I would say that that's where you land. Like, I, I don't think that this is still the youngest team in the NBA. So to say, like, there'll be a top six guaranteed spot, like, look, the Suns are going to get Devin Booker back. They're going to be better. The Lakers, when they get Anthony Davis, they're going to be better. The Clippers, if Kawhi and PG are ever healthy together, will be better. The Warriors got Curry back now. They're, like some of these teams are going to be, you know, winning more games. But I think that the Thunder have proven enough to say that they're at least a solid play-in team. I, that's what it looks like. I think I'm not saying they will be, but that's where the expectations have gone for sure. Brandon, I know this is kind of a silly question in in some ways, but I have to ask it. Is it somewhat of an unpleasant surprise that in a year with Wimby coming in the draft with Scoot Henderson looking amazing, I, I mean, behind closed doors, is is there a little bit of a panic about the success of this team? There is definitely two factions here. One, uh, one group of people, one group, whether you're saying it's Thunder fans or, you know, Thunder Oh, within the media, however you want to say it, all the Thunder people I'm around, half of them feel like, you know, the tank is the way to go. Do your best to try to get women. Now, this is a generational talent. And yeah, even if you have a bottom three record, you're still just looking at 14% chance. But that's a 14% chance to possibly have the next LeBron or KD. Um so you want to take those odds, you know, 28% per chance. If you want to say scoot is a generational guy as well, or at least an elite talent, we should say. Mm -hmm. um, but then the other side of it is look, the thunder aren't winning these games because of guys that aren't going to be around in this core. They're winning because of young guys. They're the youngest team and all their minutes are going to SGA 24 years old, Josh Giddy 20 years old, Jalen Williams, 21 years old, uh, Lou Dort, 23 years old. And then, yeah, your vet is Kenrich Williams, who just turned 28 years old, and he signed long-term for this team as well. So they're winning with their core. So at the end of the day, if you're winning and you're a play-in team or a playoff team because of your young core, you just kind of have to eat it and be like, well, we're better sooner than we thought. Let's just roll with it. And, hey, maybe, you know, maybe you'll find a gym in the draft, you know, in the mid-teens. Maybe you make the plan but lose, so you get a late lottery guy. Look, they, they've already hit, it looks like, with Jalen Williams. Maybe you can do that again. I will say this draft is deeper uh, than you. You know, you got the top few guys. You got the top two, then a few after that. Then most experts, you know, from like 5 to 15, it's kind of jumbled. And they're all kind of rated, you know, the same in a lot of ways. So maybe you just roll with it and see what happens. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I – I don't think you mess with good momentum, especially with the young core that 
that has built this momentum up together. Um, with the trade deadline approaching, have to also follow up by asking, I mean, does this recent success um, potentially, you know, rush a move to get rid of some of those first round picks that have been stored like acorns? I mean, is, is this a time where you can use those to get a veteran and make a push? Or is that a, a little bit too soon, you know, if, if we're not potentially even out of the play-in tournament? No, that's a great question. I've been asked that uh, by some fans, actually. Look, I think that you just ride it out with the young guys. Uh, you know, Kimball Walker's still on the books this year. Um, his contract, uh, Derek Favors. And Chet Hongren isn't healthy. So, there's, you know, there's a cap to, you know, the Thunder are a success story already. The future is bright. Whatever these young guys do, let them do it. But I wouldn't go out when, when you know, you're ceiling for the season as capped anyways and use any of those assets um, to, to get a vet to come in. I certainly wouldn't trade any, you know, young, what you consider high potential guys to get a veteran. Next season, the CBA will change. Uh, we'll get new rules and find out what's going on there with salary. The Thunder will free up $30 million in salary cap space. And then all you got all these options, whether it's free agents or trading for somebody. So to me, I want to do it this season. Um, I would just write it out with the young guys. I think that's a great strategy because I think we see so many teams, I think, like the Knicks, who always go after the sexy free agents. And we see how that story usually goes compared to a team that actually, you know, drafts well, builds off their younger talent. And usually that proves to uh, bear you know, great rewards down the line. I want to ask you about SGA in particular. I think he reminds me of John Morantis in terms of, you know, he's getting a lot of buzz. And I think, you know, a year or even maybe the all-star game, depending on how the votes play out. Um, if he, if that does make the team or starts, I think his, I think this is, he's poised to be a massive star in the league along with his fashion sense as well. I mean, he's blowing up in the fashion world. I think the combination of that makes him poised to be one of the top stars in the NBA. What is your feeling among just his rise just in terms of on and off the court? I think it's really something unique within the NBA. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, it's so funny because OKC obviously a small market. This yeah. is a team that's supposed to be rebuilding, but it's, if you go throughout the history of OKC, really, since the Thunder have been here, you know, right off the bat, you have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Then you get James Harden. Uh, then eventually Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul. There has been a lot of stars come through OKC. And even throughout this rebuild, these last two and a half years, you have Shea, who just felt like he was destined for it. Like, you know, you see the talent on the court. Then you see his work ethic off the court. And then you see his personality you see him continuously say that he wants to be one of the greats. And so to me, it's not a surprise as far as him becoming an all-star or him becoming a top 10-ish player in the league. Um, it's it's It does feel like it's happened overnight in a sense because I think the national acclaim has come suddenly. Um, but for those of us that's been watching him, We've been like, man, this dude is good. Like, I thought he should have made the All-Star game two years ago. Uh, Mike Conley got the Lifetime Achievement Award, which is cool. Mike Conley, uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, he deserved But if you, like, look at the, you know, Shea probably deserved to make it. I'm just saying, like, he's had this talent. Um, but now he's on a team that's that's playing really well. And his numbers are just undeniable. Like, 30 and a half, uh, great efficiency. Uh, 
And then the defense, that's the other thing probably. That's maybe the biggest surprise is how well he's doing defensively now. Um, you know, he's averaging 1.7 steals. He's averaging a block a game. He's leading all guards and blocks. He's leading all guards and stocks, uh, you know, blocks and steals. Um, so maybe that part's a surprise, just this all-around game. And then you, you bring up the fashion thing. It's funny, too, because, you know, the Thunder had Russell Westbrook, and that was his thing, too. Like, he was his superstar, but then he had this whole other thing off the court with fashion. So it almost seems like uh, a passing of the torch from this all-star point guard and Russell Westbrook, who was this, you know, big in the fashion world, to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was named, uh, I think it was GQ's most stylish man of the year. Yeah. This year. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see in, in small market OKC. So with Shea's development, there it's impressive to me how hard he has grinded. And you mentioned his like determination to be one of the greats when you know last season, I mean, respectfully, he was playing oftentimes around some weird lineups on the team, either because certain pieces of the team were unavailable, things like that. Um, can you speak to just his tenacity and how he's been able to manage that and, and kind of be just a good soldier and good, good heart of the team through it all? I mean, even when, you know, the record was not great last year and, and, you know, weird lineups, things like that. Yeah. So the very first impression I ever got of Shea Gilgis Alexander was the very first Thunder media day. He sat down and, and did his interview with the media and, I looked at uh, the media member sitting next to me after he was done. I was like, man, that kid is sharp. Like you could just tell like he, like some guys like get it. Like I, that was just my first initial impression. And, and I've felt that way, you know, since the beginning and, and that hasn't changed. If anything, it's become stronger, that feeling. And uh, what I would say to that is Sam Presti and Mark Dagnall have both said Shea gets the big picture. He looks long-term. They have said this, I don't know how many times. I've probably tweeted it out like a dozen times because each time they've said it, uh, I've probably tweeted it out. All that to say, Shea's not looking you know, short-term. I, I think that when he was playing with those wonky lineups, he has said that Sam Presti has been completely transparent. He's always told them the truth. So I think he knows the plan. Look, we all know the plan. The plan was... You know, we need to break this down to build it back up. You want a top five picks. They just missed out when they got Josh Giddy, but look, it looks like he would go top five in a redraft, <laughs> even though they didn't yeah. get a top five pick. He's been excellent. Uh, you could argue he's been the third best. You could argue he's been the second best sophomore this year. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get Chet Holmgren. Obviously, he's out this year, but most people had him at one or two. So Shea gets it. Shea knows the deal. And he keeps saying, I'm excited about the future of this team. He knows what's up. He gets it. So I think that's why for him, um, he looks big picture. So that's why he was, you know, able to get through those times when he was playing with 10 day contract guys and, and two way and G league guys like that. There's a certain level of stardom that players get to where they become, I mean, virtually barring like a ridiculous offer. I mean, virtually untradeable. Do you think Shea is at that level at this point? I do. I I think he's off the table. I know that I know that prior to this season, his name kept coming up, um, whether it be in, you know, fan trade machine ideas or, you know, blogs or, you know, big, you know, newspapers and 
outlets. I was about to say specific ones because I I won't do that. Uh, but there are some wonky ones. There are some crazy ones. And if you look back at him, like <laughs> like the Thunder would have been ridiculous to make that trade. He's off the. T- he's too good. He's he's twenty four years old and he's in year one of a five year contract with no opt outs. Like he he didn't want the player option for the fifth year. Like he is on one of the most valuable contracts in the and he's. He's not even to his prime yet. He's he's going to get even better. Um, and he's such a good leader on and off the court. Like he's exactly what you want for the face of your franchise. So now I know that Bill Simmons, he put out like his, he does his annual, you know, trade value list. I, he had Shea, I believe at 10 or 11. Um, and I think just as the season goes on and on, like it, it just keeps getting higher and higher. So yeah, so yeah I, he's, he's off the table. Sorry, Raptors fans. <laughs> uh, Brennan, I want to ask you about Chet Holmgren. Just when he comes back, what do you think that dynamic is going to be like when he returns to the lineup with the Thunder having this much of success? Uh, you know, Holmgren has that swagger to him, um, to say the least. Like, how do you think that dynamic is going to mesh with this team that seems to be gelling so well? Yeah, so Chet, uh, obviously – High pedigree. We we I talked about earlier. You know, I had him. You know, before the Thunder ever had the number two pick, I had him ranked number one on on my personal list. Because uh, when you're you know reporting on the Thunder, you you study all the draft picks uh, and do all your research. Uh, I think that Chet Holmgren has the potential to be a star. I think his talent is really high, and like you said, he's got a lot of swagger to him, uh, which is something this Thunder team like. You know, I don't say it needs, but you know the. They're like Shea is a confident dude, but you know, he doesn't play with like a lot of swagger. Like he, he just does his thing. Josh Giddy does his thing, but Chet, you can just tell just has the swagger about him. I think that'd be cool to add to the thunder. But the thing with Chet is he's exactly what the thunder need. Their, their big glaring hole this year is rim protection uh, they don't, they're playing power forwards and small forwards. They're playing guys who are six, nine, six, 10 at center. Um, Chet is a legit seven, one with like a seven, five, seven, six wingspan. Um, he's an elite shot blocker coming out of college. He's legitimately exactly what they need. And then he's a big that will space the floor because shot nearly 40% from three in college as well. So you open up the lanes more for Shea and Giddy to drive He's somebody that they can kick out to. Like, so offensively, he gives Shea space. Defensively, uh, he protects the rim. The the two biggest things I would say the Thunder needs. So he's, he's a perfect fit. Brandon, you mentioned Shea understanding the long-term uh, project, you know, the long-term retooling, rebuild. Um, it seems like also with this franchise, there's always been – a lot of patience uh, with management. And I, you know, I honestly don't have a sense of, of the local feel and, and perception on that. Is, is that true that the fan base is that patient? And why do you think so? If so? Yeah, I think so. I, I think there's a few different things at play here. I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, OKC fans realize that they've had it good since the beginning. You know, the Thunder came mm. here year one. They didn't make the playoffs. They started off three twin three and 29. Um, we all remember that. Uh, but then after the second half of the season, KD and Russell Westbrook really turned it up and you could see some promise there. Then the very next season, they made the playoffs. 
Then they were a contender for a decade. And then KD leaves, and then boom, you get Paul George and Russell Westbrook, and you're still in the playoffs. And then you trade them away, everybody thinks you're going to take them, then boom, you get Chris Paul, you're in the playoffs as a five seed. Uh, you take the Rockets to seven games. I know you remember that, Matt. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that James Harden block on Lou Dort to, to end the game. Who knows? I just want to see if it would have gone in or not. Um, so the Thunder fans, I think, for the most part, realized that, you know, since day one, we've had it good with a lot of superstars and a lot of contending teams and, and playoff teams. So, and then you see the the potential right away with Shea, and then you see it with Dort and with Giddy, and then this year with Jalen Williams. So you see that the future is bright. Also, I think that it helps that Sam Presti has been really transparent about what's going on. Like if you listen to any of his exit interviews or preseason interviews, he's told the fan base straight up what's happening. Like, you know, as long as the Thunder are playing games of consequence, uh, you know, we're going to try to do it. Uh, and once they're not, then we'll shift to development, which AKA try to get a high draft pick, but here's the plan. Here's what we're doing. Let's do this. So, so the Thunder fans know what's up ownership and, and the front office has been very clear but then you see a bright future as well. How do you feel about Sam Presti's treatment by the media? I mean, you you mentioned, you know, Bill Simmons and the trade value thing with Shea. He also had some remarks, I, I'm sure <laughs> you're aware of, of Sam Presti and kind of him, you know, being treated with kid gloves by the media or just, just being too easily forgiven or understood or maybe portrayed as a genius that he's not. But um, do you feel his treatment by the media has been fair overall, too lenient, too harsh in some ways? Uh, you know, I, it really depends on the sort because I've seen it all. I've seen, you know, I would mm. say for the most part, uh, the media considers him, you know, a top tier GM. And that that's how I personally view him, uh, you know, just seeing, you know, all the moves that have been made and, and the success of the Thunder since day one. And then, you know, this quick turnaround with this rebuild and all the asset accumulation and things like that. Uh, nobody's going to be perfect. There's going to be misses, uh, you know, whether it be in the draft whether it be in a trade. Um, but for the most part, you know, you look at the the big picture, you know, success or failure. And I think that by and large, the Thunder have been a success story. They were like the second highest winning percentage uh, for a decade. Uh, then they retool and rebuild. You can have that Chris Paul year. And then here, two and a half years later, uh, we're already talking about the play-in again and, and an all-star for SGA and and all those things. The 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 critics... It, I do think that there is some unfair stuff um, that has been said about, you know, Presty and, and the Thunder. And some of that, I'm not going to say, some of that almost seems like personal bias with, with certain mm. media members and things like that. You know, when you're calling this team the Zombie Sonics from day one and <laughs> oh my gosh. And you bring up the James Harden trade like every other podcast, even though it's been years and years, and you're not even talking about the Thunder. Like at some point, you just kind of have an agenda to dump on somebody or dump on a, a certain team. or so. so there's some of that. But I'd say by and large, hey, Bill Simmons is coming around. I'll give him credit. I'll give him credit. He seems to be really on board with with Shea and Giddy and Jalen Williams and, True. and Chet. So, but, you know, the 
previous 15 or years or so there's there's been a lot of that so some of it i think is just personal bias so you mentioned a lot of success that the Thunder have had, you know, since their existence. You know, the end game, I think, for all franchises is to win the titles. So through this rebuild, and I guess my question is, if the Thunder fall short of even like the NBA Finals or winning the championship, it, I guess my point is, sooner or later, do you think the fans would get restless in terms of, you know, all these stars coming in, a lot of success, but not actually winning a championship? Do you think they'll become restless, or do you think as long as the, the franchise is winning and actually producing compared to their peers in the league, that the fans will mostly be satisfied? Uh, you know, there's, I think there's always going to be a section of the fan base that are like championship or bust. Uh, there's... You know, I, I think for the most part, Thunder fans are such a passionate and loyal fan base um, that, you know, as soon as you draft a player or trade for a player, like they're already like falling in love with the players. Like it's just that's that's the way the fan base is here. But with any fan base, there's going to be like, you know, there's going to be some that consider the KD Russ Harden era a failure because they didn't win a championship, even though they went to four Western Conference finals and a finals and had all those all-star appearances and broke all those records and things like that, you know, but, but then there's the other fan base like, Hey, look, three years of it in a row were derailed due to injuries to Russ and Ibaka and KD. Uh, I think by and large, if the team is successful making the playoffs um, for the most part, it's, it's a happy and satisfied fan base as, as long as they're contending, you know, you don't have to win a championship. I don't think I, I, I think of the first era of Thunder basketball as a really, really successful era. It, you know, it's a huge bummer. They didn't win a championship. I think that they were talented enough uh, to win one or two. They didn't uh, due to some circumstances. But but I think most Thunder, Thunder fans feel that way. It's just incredible to think, too, about all the major narratives around the league that that thunder team still touches i mean yeah. people still of course talking about harden uh philadelphia obviously a factor kd that's obvious westbrook even you know has, has had some big narratives especially at the start of the season oh yeah you can't you can't make a tweet about like if there's any tweet about like russell westbrook or kevin durant or james harden or Sam Presti, if you go down in the comments far enough, even all these years later, they're like, oh, they had three future MVPs and they blew it. <laughs> oh, they didn't win anything. Uh, Sam Presti's a genius. A few comments later, uh, he had three MVPs and didn't win Jack. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it's it's you, you can't escape it. It's, it's always good for some reason. And there's all these branches, you know, Katie goes off and there's the whole Warriors timeline and then, you know, the Nets and all that drama and then Russ leaves and then the Rockets drama, with, you know, re-equating with James and all that stuff. Yeah, it just seems like that Thunder team, one day they'll make a 30 and 30 about it. Right. <laughs> True. I, I think that's uh, appropriate for like a five-part documentary series. Yeah. Let's work on it now. Let's work <laughs> on it now. You guys have a month. Brandon, before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on just the season overall. Lots of parody. It seems like you know, for hardcore NBA fans, league pass, it's it's always a pleasure to watch no matter what matchup that you see on every given night. But yet it's really competitive with only seeing maybe a few teams pulling away a little bit, but, you know, lots of jockeying for position, you know, as we head towards the all-star break. Uh, do you have any thoughts in terms of the parity being good for the league, bad for the league? Like, where, where do you see the competitiveness this season so far? Yeah, yeah it's... 
I like it. Uh, you know, it's it's so odd. You know, the NBA isn't like the NFL um, where, you know, for the most part, there's always been a few dominant teams. Like before the season, you're like, okay, it's going to be, you know, this team, this team, or this team. Um, you know, where the NFL always felt it's like, you know, there's a lot of parity and anything could happen any given year. Um, this year, there's probably three teams from each conference that you feel confident. But like, okay, I could see them winning a title this year, but none of them are overwhelming. You can convince me it's going to be the Celtics or the Nuggets or the Grizzlies or the Bucks or the Nets. Uh, the Warriors maybe rise up. The Clippers, if they get healthy. Uh, I don't know about that one. Uh, I, I I like it. Yeah, I still think it's gonna be one of those top tier teams, one of the top you know few in in each conference. But who knows what's gonna happen? Like four through ten. Here we are, over halfway through the season. It's kind of fun and exciting uh, to not know what's gonna like, not feel like it's predetermined. Um, I think as much as I love the NBA, when you had a few dominant teams and it felt predetermined because they were so stacked. Uh, I don't think that was as fun. I think it's fun having no idea right now who the two title, you know, contenders are going to be at the end of the year. No, completely agree. Brandon, thank you very much for joining. That's really appreciated. Please let our viewers and listeners know where to find you on social media um, and anything else you're working on as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Rabar. Uh, I write for dailythunder.com. Um, and if you're here in, Oklahoma, or actually, it's it's everywhere. Uh, franchise OK uh, radio station. I'm on with them. Do all the Thunder pre games for them as well. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Matt.